So I noticed as I walked up here, um, especially when I got to the podium, that I do the same thing every week, that I will walk to this podium and I will move it. It doesn't matter if it did not move from where it was last week, that I will walk, and there's just something in my head that I just walk over and it's, I don't know if it's like a security blanket, I just walk over and I put my stuff on it and I move it, um, and I have no idea why. And so that just dawned on me when, when I, I think about the patterns of our lives and especially the things that are growing inside of us. Uh, are, are we now just creatures of habit? Um, why do we do the things we do? Why do we allow things to grow inside of us and maybe generationally allow things to grow inside of us? Uh, why do we not get the wrong stuff out so the right things have more room. Why do we do that? For some, it's just the devil you know, when we used that phrase last week. Sometimes it's, you know, we are more comfortable staying as we are, even when as we are is so hurtful. And even when as we are is so painful. And that's one thing when you look at your children, that you watch your child and you see them do something that you know. Look, most of us, not most of us, but a fair number of us grew up in a time period where we did not wear helmets. Right? Didn't wear a helmet ever. And you can tell by looking at us. If you talk to us for a little bit, you can tell we didn't wear helmets. We didn't wear knee pads. The bikes that we rode had those jagged pedals. Right? That when your foot slipped off, it just shredded your shins, right? And there was always somewhere among our friend group, our peer group, there was somebody that had the huffy with the banana seat, right? That was the envy of every kid, right? And, um, you know, we set up, you know, the ramp that somebody was going to lay down the street and we were going to jump over them. Right, and usually that was somebody's little brother or sister that were just dying to be around the big kids, right? Literally dying to be around the big kids, and you know. So there are things that that we just gravitate towards that, for for whatever reasons, they remind us of a a part of our life, and we we fall into sometimes very very bad traps. And so recently in our church, we've, there's been a group that's been started, a book study about life's healing choices, which is a precursor to uh, the program called Celebrate Recovery. If you've not yet plugged in, I strongly encourage you to see Dan or ask Dan. Dan's going to raise his hand right now so you know where he is so that before you leave today, you, if this is the first time you've ever heard of it, you can ask Dan some questions. But nothing in our life really changes until we make it change. It's just not going to fall out of the sky and we're going to go, oh, today I'm a wholly different, not holy like God holy, but entirely different person. That just is not how change happens. That's not how growth happens. And so today we're going to talk about these two parts of the of fruits of the Holy Spirit that are already inside of us and just dying to get out and uh, grow more. And we're going to talk about goodness and kindness today uh, because they're very, very closely connected. So before we talk anymore, let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we can sing about you and sing to you and that you are constantly trying to do things in our lives, that you are constantly trying to change us, that you are, that you are never far away, but you're always right there. And sometimes you are right there in this big, um, overwhelming sort of way. 
And sometimes you're just right there and it's the still ball moment of whispering and talking, of revealing yourself to us and what you want us to be and how you want us to be those things. So we thank you that that's who you are. And we thank you that we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us because we would be hopeless and helpless without that. So change us today. We ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So, uh, this entire series comes from Galatians chapter 5 and this verse, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. These two we'll talk about today, kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So today we talk about kindness and goodness. And they're not the same, but they're close enough that we're going to cover them both today. If you are waiting for somebody in your life to be kind to you in order for you to be kind to them, you will never be kind to them. If you're waiting for a situation to change, if you're waiting for your boss to recognize your hard work, and then you'll be a better employee. Guess what? You're not a good employee now. I know, clutch the pearls. You're just not. If you're waiting for a goodness or a kindness, and then you'll change, and then you'll reciprocate, then you never, ever will. You just won't. Now, I'm going to say something today that is almost exactly contradictory to stuff I've talked about over the past five or six weeks. Are you ready? Let's talk about traffic. I love talking about people driving and how nobody knows what a yield sign is and how, you know, when you, when you let somebody into traffic and they don't wave and say, thank you, how do you, what do you think about them? As immediate judgment of their character and their value as a human being, if they don't give the little wave, Right? If they don't, and if, when you hold the door for somebody, it doesn't matter who or how old or young they are, you hold the door for them and they don't say, they should go to hell immediately. <laughs> they don't pass go, they don't get collect $200, they should die before they get out of the store. Right? So. <sighs> yes. So then, let's ask these simple questions of ourselves. Did I let him into traffic because I needed to be thanked? Did I hold the door so that they would tell me thank you? No. So then why do I behave and why do I have such a poor attitude about not getting thanked if I didn't do it for them anyway? If that's the truth of it. I know. Just let it sink in and make you a little sick to your stomach and you throw up a little bit in your mouth and you go, holy crap, really? I know. So, as much as it does frustrate me, as much as I already made a determination about that Audi that I left, that I let in, and I know she's not going to... Is anybody driving an Audi today? As much as I let that Jeep in... Uh, there's Jeeps in the parking lot, I know. Uh, I always let Jeeps in. Cadillacs, never. Uh, Benz, never let a Mercedes in. Ever. No, I'm just kidding. As much as I... I, I in, my, in my head, I make a determination, they're not going to say thanks. 
Uh, how horrible is that? I don't know them. I, I, no clue who they are as human beings. But we make those, we, I, make those determinations quickly. Very, very quickly. <clears throat> so there are times when people were behaving away in front of me. I'm just going to confess to you how sexist I am in this moment. So get ready. So as I see this happening, and I go, and one of my children, including my female child, can be in the vehicle with me and say, 20 bucks, that's a woman. (laughs) That's what she says. I I would never say that. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. Right? And so we make these determinations about people and and their worth and and all the stuff about them, and it's the farthest thing from kindness that that we'll come across in in our interactions during the day. And do I, do I, am I kind so that there is any kind of reciprocity? Am I good with the hopes that someone will be good back? Am I faithful? Do I work hard? Do I do anything of any value with the anticipation that that will get returned to me? Let's be honest. Do we think like that more often than not? I do on any given day. I can tell myself, I'm going to show up, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and with the anticipation that other people will come along. I simply cannot choose to only do those things if other people come along. You cannot choose to be a good employee only if you have a good employer. You cannot choose to be kind only as a reaction to someone else's kindness. We cannot choose to be good only as a reaction to someone else's goodness to us. If we make that choice, we will never be as kind as we should be, and we will never make uh, we will never be as good as we could be. We just won't. As long as we are waiting on a reaction. What if, and there are teachers in this room, and there are also people in this room who went to school to be teachers. What if you were only as good as a teacher as your kids were students? <coughs> right? What if you were only as good as a citizen as your politicians were good politicians? I know, election day's coming. Uh, we got two days, right? All hell breaks loose. The world's going to come to an end. Right, because we all trust the government with our lives. <clears throat> I know. So, we simply cannot live lives centered around reciprocity. So let's jump back in the Old Testament to one of the, the most same, one of those famous, well-known sections of Scripture in the entire Bible, and that is Psalm twenty-three. The Lord is my shepherd; I have everything I need. Right? That's how he starts. I shall not want, because God takes care of me. I have everything I need in life. The very last verse of Psalm twenty-three is this. Surely goodness and love, and this is from the NIV, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in a house where I will dwell in God's presence forever. So, let's ask this question. At the end of your day, you've just 
walked in the house, you've slid off your shoes, which we know is one of the greatest feelings ever if you're on your feet all day. Uh, it's not one of the greatest smells ever, but we know it's one of the greatest feelings ever. And you slide off your shoes and you flop down on the couch and you open up whatever cold beverage or room temperature beverage you're enjoying and you just sit there and nobody's at you. Right? So some of you have work where people are at you all the time. You're always solving a problem, you're always answering a question, you're always this, you're always that. And now you have this simple moment where you go, right? Okay. In that moment, and you look back over the things that happened over the last 12, 10, 8 hours, can you say, man, surely goodness and mercy or goodness and love followed me all day long? If you have five days in your work week, how many of those fit that category? One and a half. Half. Five. I mean, the scale is all over the place. I am personally blessed that I kind of get to pick and choose who I'm around on any given day. Now, all but one day, they are people who are related to me. They're my children which I love. I cannot tell you how much I love that. Um, I'm with my daughter three days a week and my oldest son two days a week. One of those, week, one of those days, both of them are with me, which is a hot mess. Because my oldest daughter has worked for me for a while, and she's good. She's really good. So her older brother now works for me a little bit. So what that means is the middle child, my daughter, has seniority, like there's seniority in what I do, but like she has seniority now over her older brother. Yes. In another context, I will tell you how I describe that relationship. I can't really do that here and now, Um, but she's the boss when I'm not around, right? So she tells him what to do, which is fantastic because, one, that's not Maddie's personality. That's just not her. So I kind of force that on her, like, hey, you know, you need to do this. And Caleb will, say, Caleb will ask me a question. I say, ask Maddie. Oh, <laughs> right. He'd rather take a beating with a stick. No, I'm just kidding. Because Caleb is, is really humble, and he's willing to do anything and, and respond in a great way and be helpful and all those things. Um, so on any given day, when you wrap it up, is, does it look like that? Man, goodness and, goodness and love were with me all day. They followed me all day. When I left the situation, that was the context that I left people with. That they, when I left that situation, it was, wow, that was really, really good. We all probably share an experience where that was the exact opposite. We left the context, we left the situation, and it didn't look or feel like that at all. So we're going to look at a couple interactions that Jesus has. He is our model for everything. He's our model for how we live our lives, how we talk to people, how we love, how we give, how we sacrifice. For Jesus is our context for, for our, he is our pattern for living. And so that can be overwhelming to, to us at times because Jesus got it right all the time. He never spoke in anger. He never acted out. He never made anybody, anyone feel less than. He never picked on anybody. He was never rude or inconsiderate. He never... Uh, the, the only time Jesus ever really... Um, 
how can I say this, um, opened up a can, was on people that were oppressing other people. And it was always the religious people who were oppressing the less fortunate. And those are the people that Jesus acted out on. Not in a negative way, not in an unbiblical way, but those are the people. When Jesus had harsh words or harsh behavior, it was people who were oppressing or taking advantage of church folk or people on the outside looking in. And so our very first story, um, Jesus speaking, he says, be careful, take care, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired, for then you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give a gift to a beggar, don't shout about it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you, in all earnestness, they have received all the reward they will ever get. Verse 3. But when you do a kindness to someone, do it secretly. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, and your Father who knows all secrets will reward you. Chris, let's go back to that first section of verses. Okay, so Jesus says, um, in a nutshell, be good, do good. But if you brag about it, and you do it so that somebody else says, wow, have you heard Kim sing? Oh, she is the best singer. And Kim goes, you know, I don't know if you've heard, but I'm a, I'm a pretty good singer. That is all the praise, that is all the reward Kim ever gets. Let that sink into you. If we serve and we do and we give and we sacrifice and then we talk about it, Jesus says, that's all the praise you ever get. That's all you get. So then, rather, serving and being quiet and just showing up and plugging in and lending a hand or or whatever it is, you put your hand to the plow in any kind of way in this place, whether it's on this stage or with children or painting or hanging doors or mopping or sweeping or the, the thousands of other things that lay out before us that this church will do and the people we will serve, I simply ask you this. Would you rather take my praise, which lasts a little while, if you get it at all, because I'm all over the map, or would you rather take eternal gratitude in heaven? It's a no-brainer, isn't it? Absolutely. Because someday we will all stand before God and give an account of what we've done. And so in that moment, later on, What we want is Jesus to look at us and say, man, you melted their faces and nobody knew. And you did this and you served and you sacrificed. You showed up when nobody else showed up. And you worked till you had nothing left. And nobody knew. Man, you gave your life away to those kids. And 30 years after you were dead and gone, they could still tell the stories that you shared with them about who Jesus was. You gave money when you didn't have money to give. You helped people when nobody else helped and nobody knew. Hmm. We don't think of it ahead of time in those terms. 
I can easily fall in the trap. I love work, and I love workers. And I love people who will just put their hand on a plow, any kind, of any kind. They catch my attention. Not because they're trying to, but just that is my demeanor. That is my personality. That is, so that mentality captures me. Now, I'm going to tell you a story, but I will not tell a name. But some of you know this story. And because you know the story, you know this person. This is our baptistry over here. Right? So, um, only in this place, only two of you have been baptized in this. But if I've baptized you in this church, that is most likely the one you got baptized in. So in this context, we needed a way to drain that. So I sent somebody a text and I said, man, I have a problem for you to solve. He said, okay. And he said, what is it? And I said, well, it's kind of plumbing related. And he said, I am a horrible plumber. My wife is laughing right now. So I just simply needed a problem to solve. And I walked him through. And I said, here's what needs to happen. I really would like to walk away from you and not think about this anymore. And that's what I did. Walked away. He ran and got some material. He ran and, and handled all kinds of things. So shortly after venturing into solving this problem, how to drain this thing outside of our building... He comes and finds me, and he goes, okay, there's a problem. <laughs> and so he explained the problem to me, and I'm like, how, how did you do? That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, hey, nope. that's what I think in my head. Outside, I'm going, no problem. We'll figure this out. So I leave there, come back in here, and he shows me what happened, and I went, ah, let's make some lemonade. So... His mistake could not have turned out better. I kid you not. And I'll tell you details some other time. But his mistake, I was like, that solved. He solved a problem he didn't even know existed. It is dumbfounding how that worked out. And I was so thankful and so humble. I geared myself in my thinking sometimes towards that, that worker, that solve a problem, that I, don't, I can't do anything but hold this up for you. Uh-huh. Man, that's fantastic. And so I get that I can, because of that part of me, that I have to teach myself better. and have to change parts of how I think. Um, Jesus says, look, when you serve, when you sing, when you play guitar, when you play a drum, when you open up a Bible story for a kid and you tell them about Daniel, you tell them about Moses or Gideon or Ruth or Esther or David, or Peter, or James, or Jesus, when you do those things, you do those things with eternity in mind. Because the, we tend to be a very loving and welcoming and thankful group of human beings. More than probably than any church I've ever been a part of. And so it's easy for us. We are very loving, man. We're very much, hey, thank you so much for doing that. But we just don't do it so that somebody says thank you. Because they may never wave and they may never say thank you as we open the door, but we didn't do it for that anyway. I have to constantly relearn those things. Every day I, I remind myself of what the important things are and why they're important. And so he says, <laughs> pay attention, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. Your service has eternity in focus. Eternity in focus. So, our, our next section of scriptures, we'll go on to the next part. Thank you, Chris. 
there's a lot of subtle details in this story. Jesus is having dinner with tax collectors and sinners. Now, the tax collectors, I want you to know, are the people that were Jewish people. And they were hired by the Romans, who were occupying Israel, who had, over, who had um, conquered them, for lack of a better term. And their own people were now collecting taxes on behalf of Rome, and they were, in many cases, they were, they were collecting more than they should have from their own people. So when you read in the Gospels and you see the word tax collector, they're some of the most hated people in society. They were not liked. They were not well thought of. Nobody went to their house for dinner unless you were also a tax collector. In many cases, they were some of the most wealthy people in the culture. And so Jesus was having dinner with those folks. Uh, at Matthew's house, who that was his job too, and many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with Jesus and his followers. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked Jesus, uh, they asked his followers, not Jesus, but they asked his followers, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard them, he said, okay, we're going to stop right there. The people who didn't like Jesus and didn't like what he was doing didn't talk to him to his face. They kind of went over here and said, what's wrong with him? But they did. So now they're talking to Jesus' followers and saying, hey, why does Jesus do this? Why does Jesus associate? Now, understand what's happening. Why is Jesus hanging out with them and not with us? Why is he with those people who are so far beneath him and us? He should be around the religious people. He should be around the people who think they get it right all the time, even though they hated him. Jesus heard them. A subtle little truth here, Jesus always hears you. That's both good and bad, right? So when you're praying and you think that your life is falling apart, and how did you get here? And Jesus hears that too. But he also hears you when you're being hateful. He hears you when you're being mean. He's hearing you when you're being disrespectful or unkind. He hears those things too. Jesus heard them, he said, It is not the healthy people who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I want kindness more than I want animal sacrifices. I did not come to invite good people, but to invite sinners. Huh. There's something refreshing about people when they first find out and they first discover this one simple truth. I could have never taken care of my own sin problem. I could have never, ever wiped all of my sins away. But Jesus did. When anybody comes to that realization, it changes everything about them. And you can tell how it changes them because of the people that they start bringing to church. And how they influence the people around them. Because what has happened inside them cannot stay inside them. It ekes out and it seeps out and everybody gets touched by it. And so, Jesus says, um, you know, people who think they've got it all together probably are never going to hear my message. I know some really, really good human beings who say no to Jesus every time I talk to them. And they're good people. 
They're better people than I am. Really good men. Much better men than I am. And they say no to Jesus all the time. All the time. Jesus says, look, if you think you got together, you're never going to hear what I have to say. So I have come into the world for the people who know that they're messed up. Because they'll catch on sooner. We don't have to convince them how bad they are. They look in the mirror every day and go, I am undone. It's the words of Isaiah. I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Go and learn what this means. I want kindness more than I want animal sacrifices. Now, animal sacrifices, we don't do that anymore. Um, So way, way back in Israel's history, God set up a sacrificial system as a method of teaching the people that blood had to be offered to pay for their sins. Uh, Hebrew says that, look, when they sacrificed goats, that didn't wipe their sins away. That was a picture of what Jesus was, was going to do. That's why John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God. Jesus walked along the shore, and John, his second cousin, sees him, and he says, hey, behold the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the sacrificial system was always this method of teaching the people that sins had to be paid for. I honestly never understood that. I look at that as a ruining a good steak. That's why I look at that. And some of you eat steak well done. We are not friends. I ordered a steak recently and I said, look, here's the deal. I want it to have a chance. Like at any minute, it's going to make a run for the door, right? That's how you eat steak. So, and some of us have eaten steak in, in a, a very specific place. It's one of my favorite places to eat. And, um, and we have that conversation regularly. But um, he says, look, all that outward stuff, you know, you're, that animal sacrifice, that show, he said, I'd much rather you be kind to each other. I'd much rather you be kind. Kindness is a learned behavior. Because we're sinners, because we are broken, kindness does not necessarily come naturally sometimes. And, and often you'll, you'll find the smallest of children being the most kind. Why? Because we haven't messed them up yet. They haven't learned your biases. They haven't learned y- your fears They haven't learned your anger yet. They haven't learned yet the people that you don't like and don't trust for really no good reason. And so oftentimes you'll find small children being the absolute kindest. Why? Because they have not lived in long enough like you and I have to be messed up by the world. To be taught, whether it was intentionally or unintentionally, biases and fears and angers and worries and which keeps people far away from us. So Jesus says, um, hey, figure out what this means. Be kind. Kindness is far more important than your sacrifices. And so he wraps up that statement with this. I didn't come to invite good people. I didn't come to invite good people. I came to invite sinners. So when we think about goodness in our lives and how that shows up in a real and practical way, when we think about kindness, I 
the, the dilemma and opportunity for the place that you call home, this place, as we grow and as this face changes, which is inevitable. I understand that for some of you, you think this church family is about you. And it's really important that everybody else thinks it's about you too. But you know, somewhere in this church's history, somebody was good to you and kind to you and said, we want you to be a part of us. Because for every one of you, except for me, you came along later. This was in my head my heart before it was in anybody else's. So somewhere along the line, somebody said, hey, I go to this church. It's a hot mess, and we put the fun and dysfunctional. You would probably fit in. And you came. And some of you are part of that initial small group of people that said, this is what we will do with our lives from here forward. We will be part of this church called One Hope. There are far more people that aren't in here than are. We're not interested in being a mega church. We're not, that's not who we are. We're not, we'll never put on a light show. We'll never have... Ah, right? That, just, that is not in our DNA. Nothing against anybody that does that. That's just not our genetic makeup. Here's who we are. We will be good and kind. And we will love and we'll be patient, and we will be faithful, and we have joy in our lives, and we will let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit is always intended to do in us, and that is to grow us and to change us. That's who we will be. And the people that show up and call this place home, of any color, of any background, of any size, shape, anything at all, we will love them as they are. We'll be kind to them. And when they thought that that's not what church looked like, we will prove them wrong. That is who we are and that is who we will be. We're not talking about politics. There are no politics in eternity. So my politics will not define me. They just won't. I have very specific political views. But they are not the most important thing to me. So in this church family, what we will look like as we grow into 2019, and as we change, and as we morph, and as we do all those things that God has laid out before us, because we know that He has planned in advance for us, for work for us to do. We know that is a biblical truth. Goodness and kindness will will define our character. Not whether we agree with people. If you agreed with everything that I say, this would be a cult. <laughs> True story. Look at, find a cult. They're all over. It's when the guy up front has supreme authority and power and everything he says goes. That is the exact opposite of who we are and who I am. So in our future, as we, as we are growing in the Holy Spirit... Goodness and kindness define who we are. Not that we are always nice to each other. Because sometimes you're just hateful. Just hateful. If you are from the eastern part of Kentucky, you've got too much meanness in you. You know what meanness is, right? 
Okay. You just got too much. Let the Holy Spirit get that out. I'm always encouraged when I see people extend a kindness when they have nothing to gain from it. Nothing to gain. Nothing to gain at all. So, that is who we will be. We will love and we will be kind and we will be good and with the anticipation that we don't need the praise of people. We don't need to be in the newspaper. We don't need to be a certain number. We don't need to be a certain size. But this is who we are as a church family. And we work hard at that. And we are committed to that. And we settle for nothing less than that. That you have every right to settle for nothing less than my kindness and my goodness to you. Knowing that that goes both ways. That I will not settle for anything less than your goodness and kindness. Doesn't mean we agree. Doesn't mean we're always blowing smoke up each other's skirts. But that we are good and that we are kind. And we just don't drop people. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. Um, I think we thank you most of all that you are good and kind to us. And when, quite frankly, we do not deserve any of your goodness or kindness. And so we pray and we ask that you would help us to have those kind of character traits. That when it's difficult to be good and kind, that we desire that even more. That we will make deliberate choices to be kind to people who by all intents and purposes don't deserve our kindness. But we'll be kind anyway. Because our desire is to to reflect you. Not ourselves, but to reflect you. So we are thankful for your goodness and kindness to us. We are thankful that you will continue to grow in us goodness and kindness. That will show up in every part of our lives. That shows up in our homes. That shows up in our relationship with our kids and our spouses. That shows up in our relationship with our coworkers, our employees, our employers. That shows up in every part of our lives. Because when you show up, great and remarkable things happen. So Father, we thank you for all of those things. And we ask that as we leave this place today, that you will continue the fire that is in us as we go to a lost and dying world that needs to know the goodness, the kindness, the love of Christ. Thank you for being among us. You are good and we love you. And we ask these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so um, you, uh, we, I'm going to wrap up here. The next couple things um, you'll find, if you're connected to us on Facebook, the... Um, the commercial, the, the needs list for Brighton Center shows up, and you can plug in and help with that. You'll bring food next week. Um, there'll be a sign-up sheet probably next week for food for church birthday. Yeah, it'll be on the end of the bar. Before you leave today, take invitations with you. They're on that end of the bar, the north end of the bar. Or if you walk out, they're on your left. Take invitations with you. All right? So we are glad you're here. Have a great week.